ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer. Another episode of 1% Better. We are getting closer and closer to the NFL season. Zach, we're, I don't know, what, about 10 days out. One, <laughs> wow. We're one week away from the opener from Chiefs Texans. I can't believe that. I'm Man. pumped. I'm pumped. It's, it's no, getting I'm, here. It's, it's been a long offseason, maybe the longest of all time. I was just about to say, it, it literally was the longest offseason ever because we had no offseason. We just had a bunch of talk. And look, we had a lot of airtime to fill and a lot of words to fill <laughs> right in the in the meantime without rookie camps and mini camps and and anything of that sort uh no preseason games so this literally has been the longest drought without football that we've had for quite some time uh i watched i watched a high school game the other night zach not hey, like the whole thing but I, like i, I, heard I watched Browns, a few minutes of it brownsburg was on espn right i did see some of that yep 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 and it was it was kind of nice just to see football and I just appreciated football. Um, any worse, and I might have stopped by the uh, the youth league field down the street from me and caught a few minutes of the action. I mean, that that's where I'm at with football. I mean, even so. last week, after the uh, Friday practice, you know, the players kind of had their social justice message, and we were kind of chatting, and you were talking with Frank Reich, and I was talking with Chris Ballard, and it was like, this is the first time we've seen you guys in person in a while. Like, we've <laughs> seen weird. Frank coaching the team, but it feels like he's a mile away, and it's like, Okay, it's good to know that, you know, we can actually interact with other people in person with, you know, socially distanced measures in place. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, the NFL deserves a lot of credit. They're going to kick off in Kansas City in a week, and the Colts are going to play in Jacksonville and try to win their first season opener in, what, seven years? 74 years. (laughs) Right. Feels like forever. It does. So what we'll do today on the podcast is because we are getting close to the regular season, you know what's coming, and it's roster cuts. Now, this feels a little different because you haven't seen these players and you, you haven't formed a lot of opinions in your head uh, as a fan. Mm-hmm. So it's weird, right? And it's kind of difficult. But we'll go through the – we'll just kind of hit all the positions and, and give our sentiments, and I think it'll give you a sense of where they are. Now, we did this uh, on the website, obviously, this week. Um, I did my 53-man projection, and I think if you go through there, you, you kind of come away with some impressions of the team, good, bad, or indifferent. I think you'll you'll have some takeaways. So we'll kind of do that here. But the, the first thing, Zach, and maybe you can comment on this too, I, I think this is going to be trickier for the Colts and all teams just because of what we laid out. They haven't yeah. had the preseason. They didn't have the offseason. I mean, if you're a rookie, what are they evaluating you on, right? I mean, that kind of thing. So – do, how do you think the lack of all of that will affect this? Will they just go with the proven commodities? Do you think they will take fewer chances? I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't think we. I don't think any of us know. But what do you think? Yeah, they had a long meeting on Sunday. I think it was the coaches and and the assistants and the personnel staff, and they kind of worked through it. Like you know, let's example Dave Borgonzi, the linebackers coach. What do you think about Glasgow and Speed and Zaire Franklin and Matthew Adams? And you're obviously weighing what Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator, says as well. But you're going to have to rely on the coaches more than ever because they're the ones that are with these guys in every single drill and every single setup, every single scheme. You don't have the the game tape. And and I think the interesting part will play out after 4 o'clock. So after these teams make their moves, thousands of players hit the market, right? And usually that's a long night for Chris Ballard and his staff. Two years ago, it's when they convinced him to go get Kenny Moore. Chris said, no, he's too short. But no, this guy can play. 
two years later, they're calling him one of the best slot corners in football. And, and everyone out there knows how important he is to the defense. So you can find really good players and they're going to be looking for him. I just don't think you're going to sign as many this year because you don't have the preseason tape for one. And secondly, the Colts don't have a lot of holes. You know, there'd be years where I could think in 17 and 18, they'd sign four or five guys on Saturday night or Sunday after final cuts because that's a reflection of how much they like their roster. They didn't like it that much, especially the back end. That's why they signed all those guys. I don't think they signed four or five this year. I don't think there's four or five spots that need to be filled or, or that are open. I think there's a couple, maybe that last receiver spot, maybe that last linebacker spot. Who knows what they're going to do at kicker. Frank's not telling anybody. But um, they've got a really good roster. They've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of youth to go with some really integral pieces that are you know, veteran guys. Like You, you like having Justin Houston on the defensive line. You like having Anthony Costanzo, obviously, on the offensive line. I think the running back group is as good, maybe, as there is in the NFL, one to four. You know, I would hear another argument, but it's as good as I've seen this team have in a long time. And and there's just, you know, this is what happens when you draft well in 18 and 19. By the time we get to 2020, your roster's in pretty good shape. So I don't think there's a lot of surprise and a lot of moves this weekend from the Colts because they're fortunate to be in a really good spot. Yeah, no question. And that is something that we laid out with Frank Reich this week. I talked to him about that was from the time he got here, which is only two short years ago, from the time he got here to now, just how much more difficult the decisions are. Not difficult because we can't find talent, but difficult because we got a lot of talent. So, yeah, you know, life comes at you fast, man. You're going to cut good players. (laughs) The Colts are going to cut some good players. So, so let's, let's dive into this. I think this is kind of interesting. So, uh, there's there are decisions at every spot uh, because there's just not enough space for the good players that you that you actually like. So we can start at quarterback, right? Um, it's been a long time since the Colts carried three quarterbacks. I think this is the year. Got uh, to they yeah they don't have any quarterbacks under contract beyond this year except for one, and that's the rookie Jacob Beeson. So I think this is easy. He has to be on the roster, right? Any disagreement whatsoever there? You cannot put this guy on the wire. He will get picked up now. He hasn't gotten a lot of reps, but have you not seen enough from Jacob Beeson, even in those small reps that he's gotten to say, okay, I want to see more. Yeah, I think he, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And then I thought yesterday was a very revealing conversation with Philip Rivers, where he was asked about his impression of Jacob Beeson. And he he actually said he kind of marvels at his arm talent because he yeah. said he, he made a throw the other day in practice, just a routine throw in individuals. He made a throw, and his his passes to the outside, outside the numbers, I think are the most impressive because the ball zips across the field with this velocity that you don't typically see. And, and he's also fairly accurate too, which is a big part of this, right? But uh, Philip Rivers remarked, he said, man, you know, I looked at it and it's like, man, I can't make that throw. And it was kind of cool to hear him say that. It was like, all right, you know what? Maybe they got something here. However... I do want to insert this, and I tried to allude to this in my story uh, yesterday. I talked to someone in the organization about Jacob Eason and what I was seeing, and I was like, well, do you see what I'm seeing? (laughs) You know, because it looks pretty good. And the response I got was, hold on, pump the brakes. Not because he doesn't have the stuff. He's got the stuff it takes. The question about him was never about that. The question about Jacob Beeson was more so off the field than on the field. Not because he's a 
he's he's a character problem, but more because he's got to be that quarterback leader, uh, the guy who is really invested in the meeting room, and the guy who well, also decision making is a is a thing with him. That's a certainly on the field issue, uh, things of that nature. And there were a lot of naysayers. Okay, when he was coming out of college, and I'm talking about people around him, who who NFL people talked to, and they didn't get good feedback. So you you've done a story on him, you know this. Um, I, I the one thing I'll say though is he's checking all the boxes there in that area, from what I was told so far. He's checking all yeah. those boxes, so that's a good thing. I mean, how how, how concerned do you think? How, how much how much do you think those concerns were real? I don't know. You you've done kind of dug yeah. Into no, I, I dug into this big time for a big story I did about Jacob, and I talked to everyone you know around him in his past and back in Washington where he grew up and, and those things tick him off and he's doesn't have that fiery disposition that a lot of people expect out of the quarterback, that commanding, I think you've seen this with Philip Rivers. You know, I was just asking the radio, like, is this Philip Rivers team? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he hasn't really gone out of his way to make it his team. He hasn't really, um, you know, fabricated energy or anything like that, but it does feel like he is just, smoothly stepped into that leadership role. You, you moved to Jacob Eason. He's just a quieter kid. He's super competitive, according to those who know him. Um, but this is going to be something he's going to have to work himself into. He's going to have to work himself and earn that respect in the locker room. And that's something that you can't, like Philip Rivers just showed us, you can't fake it. You can't buy it. You got to earn it. And and that's going to take some time because he's not ready to do it right now. He's, he's thrown some nice balls, but you know, Nick Sirianni was talking the other day about his decision-making is getting better. He's getting us into the right plays, but it's not all there just yet. So he's a project. We knew that the minute he was drafted. You love the talent. Um, it's going to take some time, but, you know, there's no way. There's no way they let him hit the waiver wire on Saturday afternoon. I don't think you, you lose a lot of sleep if you cut Chad Kelly. Now, I think they do want to keep Chad Kelly, though. I think this is a year you keep four guys, and by that I mean you keep him on the practice squad. Right. Um, there's not a bunch of teams lining up to sign Chad Kelly. Actually, I don't think there's any, to be honest. So um, I think you're okay, but you, you, you got to keep Eason. You got to keep him. I agree. And they, remember now, you have a 16 member practice squad this year. So, right. And you can the ability to keep Chad and, Kelly. Right. Yes. So, so that is something. Always remember that this year. 16. In fact, remember that this weekend in particular, because a lot of these guys they cut, I think their 16 member practice squad will mostly be made up of guys they cut. So I would anticipate that. This might not matter a lot to the average fan, but to Chris Ballard and his staff, it's a huge deal. It's essentially, you know, they're they're covered where they can stash pieces they need. And in a year when you don't know if an outbreak's going to happen and you're going to lose a couple guys in a position room, you really want to have viable backups ready to go. And and that's what they – they treat these guys as starters. That's what they always say. Yeah, it's uh, your your heartbeat away if you're on the practice squad. Remember that. So, uh, this is a position I think is really interesting. You already mentioned it, running back. So we have we we knew we had these four guys who they love and have have had major roles for this team or anticipate having a major role in the case of Jonathan Taylor. So we're talking about Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines. Even Jordan Wilkins, who gets forgotten, but Jordan Wilkins has been a productive change of pace running back for this team. Obviously. Jonathan Taylor changes that, but the point is they're invested in in Jordan Wilkins. And so here comes Roosevelt Nix, a fullback. <laughs> and we're like, a what? Why? For what? For who? 
And we still spent the entire offseason. <laughs> exactly. We spent <laughs> the entire offseason trying to figure that out. And of course, apparently so did the Colts because they they released Roosevelt Knicks on Monday. And I actually thought that made a lot of sense. And what did you make of did you hear what Frank Reich said about this yesterday? Yeah, so I'm not buying what Frank said and, and All right, I that was, was gonna be my question. <laughs> so like, just repeat what he said and then we, we can address it. Now I didn't hear it all. Um, I was on the phone with Philip Rivers for a story that will right. come out in the next couple of weeks. There's a tease. Um, basically, Frank said they didn't have enough time to get the 10% of the playbook they wanted to devote to the fullback into the system. I don't buy that for a minute. I think Frank Wright could install 10% of the playbook in a week if he wanted to. I don't think Roosevelt Knicks had a very good camp. I saw him fumble the ball more than once. I don't think he stood out. And I think this is also a reflection of the running back room, which, like I mentioned a minute ago, is damn good and it's deep and these guys can block too it's not just them that you know they got moali cox and jack doyle at tight end they can block marlin's a better blocker than he gets credit for taylor's like a small linebacker back there i just i don't see the need for a fullback i never did yeah i mean it's it's a thing of the past honestly it's a relic in the nfl but but that's not even my issue my issue was just if you use it so sparingly that if you need a fullback just use an H-back, quote They unquote. use Jack and Doyle as H-back all the time. I was just about to say. Exactly. <laughs> Jack Doyle has done this for years, right? So what is what is this urgency? Now, if you if you would tell me, if you want to say that Roosevelt Nix is, is some amazing special teams player, okay, I buy that. That's fine. Uh, throw him out there and let him do his thing. But if he's not giving you huge contributions there, then I don't see the point in this. So it was very odd from the beginning. Uh, I, I I like the fact that they at least did him a solid and gave him an extra week to find somewhere to play. They they um, tried it, you that, know. Yeah, like they yeah. they gave it a shot. I, I like teams that try different things, experiment a little bit, try mm-hmm. to push the bubble, and don't just you know lean on old maxims. I mean, they're you know Frank Reich is willing to try things he doesn't know will work. You know, I think that was one of the problems with the old regime is they just kind of stuck with what they knew. Yeah, and after a while, it just didn't work. Yeah. So anyway, that this problem solves itself. So that's good um, in terms of the roster makeup. So I I gotta think. Look, you can you could technically I guess carry three running backs. There's no reason to to do that here. Jordan Wilkins. He I think he helps you enough on special teams. I and, thought he had a good camp too. Yeah, and, that's and, I, and I think he he's proven uh, this guy. Look, he, he he may be kind of boomer bust as a runner, but. I've always noticed that with Jordan, it's going to be either two yards or twenty. <laughs> but, yeah. but that's okay. I mean, I think if if someone were to go down and Marlon Mack does have a little injury history, it is what it is, right? So if that happens, you would happily put Jordan Wilkins out there and keep it rolling, especially with he's this offense. He's the best one. fourth string running back in the league, and that might be a backhanded <laughs> compliment. But he's terrific <laughs> as the fourth string runner, right? He, he could easily be someone's number two, I think. Yeah, and yeah. sort of a change of pace running back. I agree he could completely. be that type of back. Yeah. So it's a competitive spot around the league, but I think that's something that he could contend for somewhere else. Uh, let's go to tight end. Now, this is fluid. I think they've got an issue here. Jack Doyle is still Jack Doyle and doing Jack Doyle things, but been banged up, but but I think he's going to be okay. Now, the issue here for me really is is Trey Burton. I think this is going to be a multiple-week thing, this, uh, oh, this yeah. calf injury, right? Isn't that the indication you're getting? So, I think that's a problem. We have seen him be so big a part of the offense in training camp uh, that I don't think you can just 
shake that off, keep rolling like nothing happened. I mean, if, if that if what we saw was accurate, then this is a huge loss. So I don't know how you handle that in terms of the roster cuts. Do you – I don't know. I, I think – do you think that position is kind of in in play? Or I don't know. What do you think? It's tough because at the big picture, they're really healthy, like really healthy. Right. Kenny Moore is coming I agree. back. Jack Doyle is coming back. Paris Campbell's back on the field with no contact jersey. So – the one issue you've got is tight end. And I don't love the tight end group. Jack Doyle, Mo Cox, and then what? Now, if, like you said, training camp was an indication, Trey Burton, they had big plans for him. They said it, and then we saw it on the field. The guy caught as many passes as maybe anybody um, from Phillip Rivers across the course of the last month. And then he goes down a week before the season, you know, really gets into gear. So what do you do? I don't know if that guy's on the roster yet. He might be someone that gets cut somewhere else and gets picked up this weekend? Is he going to learn the playbook in a week? Um, do you just basically shrink the playbook and, and don't have that position? But look, I mean, we saw you go back to 18 with Eric Ebron. He was getting fed in camp every single day. They were throwing him a million balls. What happened? He had 14 touchdowns. I don't think that was going to happen with Trey Burton. But my point is they were going to throw the ball to Trey Burton a lot. Frank Reich loves throwing to tight ends. Phillip Rivers loves it even more. Um, you don't have that guy right now. It doesn't sound like he's going to be ready to go until maybe mid-September, maybe October. You look for a lot of passes to Jack Doyle, but Jack Doyle's not as athletic as Trey Burton, and then they're going to have to figure that out. The good thing is you've got a really deep receiving core. Yeah, and then not to be remiss, but obviously Marley Cox, yes, he's still here. He's healthy. He's ready to go, but he is a very different player. And Marley Cox, I think, even though I think he has grown as a receiver, and I, I think I trust throwing him the ball. I would, I would trust him to throw him the ball, certainly um, more than in the past. And he's made some very difficult catches. But the, the thing is, he's just not the athlete yeah. that Trey Burton is. So you're going to run, you're going to ask him to do different things, different routes. He's going to get different matchups. He's really not the same sort of mismatch. He's a mismatch because he looks like Goliath, but that's yeah. a much different situation. And, so, and what did Frank say a couple of weeks ago? I mean, this was Frank just gushing on it, one of his favorite positions. He said, I want a tight end who is a receiver. Like Eric Ebron was not a tight end for the Colts the last couple of years. He barely blocked. He caught a lot of passes. He Frank wants that mismatch. And I don't think Jack Doyle and Molly Cox are going to give him that. How they answer that question, we're going to have to wait and see. Yeah, this was definitely his uh his his Eric Ebron replacement. So there's no question about it. Uh offensive line. Um now I think that well, first of all, I love the uh, we all love the starting offensive line. I think the, the issue here really is just depth. I will say this: <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Raven Clark might have just had the best training camp of his life. <laughs> okay, what did you just say? I did. I, I said that. Yes, I'm not drinking. Is that because there were no the preseason games? There were no preseason. <laughs> Probably. Games. <That's> <laughs> it's not like he had to face Von Miller, right? So, but look, he he was very much i think serviceable right so i'm gonna just pencil him in as their sixth guy I he's think the swing he's tackle i yes. get it you know i don't think any team out there is like okay if our starting left tackle goes down we've got a really good backup you know how hard it <laughs> yeah. is to find a good left tackle let alone a good backup left tackle so right if your left tackle goes down you got problems period i don't care who your backup is yeah so now we've also got danny pinter the rookie out of ball state they like this kid he has I think grown on them. He's playing some center, even though he's primarily a guard. He's learning to play center. If he can, 
if he can master that or not master, but if he can get comfortable at that, I mean, he's going to be a guy who could be their, their top interior backup potentially. Uh, I don't know that he's there yet, but I think he's going to make the squad. And I think he's going to be able to be a guy who dresses at least uh, at some point, if not initially. So, yeah. So that looks like a good pick. I'm I'm glad they did that because I just, I I don't see anybody beyond the starting five was really stood out on that offensive line outside of, the Raven Clark, you know, handling his business because uh, Braden Smith spent so much time on the sideline. He got a lot of good reps this this camp against the, the first team defense. So we were able to evaluate him. The rest of those guys, I don't know. I think they'll keep eight. And that's so the eighth that's is just not a question one. you want answered. You don't want no. to find out if they're any good, right? I mean, right. only team in the league last year, I believe, to start every member of the offensive line the entire season. That's very rare. You know, in the Peyton years, that was standard around here. And yeah, then you saw in the, in the Andrew Luck years, you saw a revolving door at every single position besides left tackle. I think Anthony Costanzo played with, you know, 40 different offensive linemen in a four-year stretch. So um, that's, you know, that's the benchmark of this team are those five. You don't want them to get hurt. There's a significant drop-off. I know they're trying to improve the depth there, um, but, you know, not to look too far ahead. You need to start thinking about who your left tackle is at the future. That's going to be something you need to look at in next year's draft. Right, uh, I think that's something that they have not really addressed at all. I mean, they've they've drafted some late round tackle prospects, but none of those have worked out. So we'll have to see. Um, yeah, I agree with you because <laughs> I don't want to see the day they have to figure that out on the fly. <laughs> that's not where you want to be. Wide receiver, I think we have a couple locks here, right? So T. Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, um, Zach Pascal, the vulnerable. Uh, Zach Pascal. Do not and touch then, Zach Pascal. He's not going anywhere. <laughs> That's right. He's like the Jack Doyle of the wide receivers. But <laughs> no, I was working on a story catches. last year on 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 Zach, and I was talking to Jack Doyle about him, and he's like, and Jack was like, he's like me. He's like me four years ago, and I'm like, that's the like first good quote you've ever given me, Jack. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> it took you long enough, Jack. Uh, thanks. Finally. So. The other, obviously, Michael Pittman being another lock. So that's four, which is, you know, your core group and, and the group that matters. Now, what are your thoughts beyond that? I, I will go, I will tell you what I did on my projections. I went with six, and my fifth and sixth were Marcus Johnson and Desmond Patton. Before before you go on, I will just say my rationale was, okay, Marcus Johnson, if I get an injury, I know he's done it. Before he's proven himself, I thought that game down in Tampa last year, great example of a guy who could come off yeah. the practice squad, practice a little bit, go out and play, and be yeah. very competent, right? So I trust him. And then Desmond Patman is just upside. I think what we've seen in camp, <laughs> look, I, I got to tell you, there were days where uh, he'd catch the ball and, and he's, what's he wearing? Uh, 85. Five. And Michael Pittman wears 86. And there were days where I'd like, man, that was a great play by Pittman. Like, oh they're no, huge. that's Patman. They're both huge, <laughs> and that's part right. of it, right? They're both they're both the exact prototype they want at wide receiver. They're very both similar. Have been small yeah. the last couple of years. They want some size. That's why they went and got Pittman. Look, I kept five, and and I can hear your Marcus Johnson argument, and I actually was swayed by it. I like that. Um, if you keep six, and you're you can probably keep six now that you're not keeping a fullback, right? Um, yeah, and and I think that. The hardest call is Patman versus Reese Fountain. And this isn't to say that Reese Fountain hasn't had a good camp. He's been good. He's had his days. 
But Patman's been just as good. And wouldn't you side with a bigger, younger receiver? And and look, I know Reese Fountain's had his, his wor- the worst luck you can imagine. Yeah. You know, last year he had a terrific camp, and then the last day against the Browns, he suffered that awful ankle injury. But look, I mean, he hasn't done it. And I think Patman's earned it. I think you could probably get Reese on the practice squad. I don't know if you can get Patman. Probably. But um, I think you the, side with the The lack of the kid. preseason would, would help you get Patman on the practice squad. But I, I do agree yeah. with you that right. I think he's more intriguing. There's no question he's more intriguing. And, and I think Rivers likes throwing to a guy like Patman more than he mm-hmm. – I mean, that's just my gut feeling. Philip would never say this. But, look, Patman's huge. I mean, I think, I think, he, I think he's a really good number six receiver right now. Fuller Rivers, by the way, this is not necessarily relevant, but he has had a lot of success with big receivers. Think about this now. He's got guys like Vincent Jackson, uh, guys like, uh, well, Mike, Mike Williams, who they have in Los Angeles right now. The guy yeah. was basically Antonio a jump Gates. ball artist. Right. Antonio so Gates, t- he, power forward. He really has been, uh, I, I think, really proficient at like the back shoulder throw, jump balls, trusting the receiver. And and he tr- he'll trust other receivers too. They don't have to be big. I mean, you think he trusts T. Y. Hilton? Yeah, but but I'm just saying, guys who have that sort of physique, uh, he has really trusted them to 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 give them opportunities with the ball and to use their size. And I think we've seen that with Patman throughout camp. Now the other the other variable here at wide receiver is a guy who was on the team last year. Actually, is Ashton Doolin, not necessarily because he's one of their best receivers, but because on special teams, he really is a huge contributor. So I, I, I left him off, but I have a question mark there. I think the special teams may trump the role of the sixth receiver per se. Yeah. You know? So, so that's something to be seen. And, and we don't know how much they, well, let me rephrase that. I, I think what's hard to determine sometimes is how much of a deciding factor is special teams, right? It is a deciding factor. But I think the question is, if you really like a guy, but he's not a big special teams contributor, how much of a detriment is that? You know, I don't know how they calculate that. It matters. It matters yeah. 46 through 53. And, and Bubba Ventrone's going to have his say because they, they want to get better at special teams. Um, I think that's how some guys are in their keep in the league, to be honest. Robert Mathis started as a special teams guy his his, his first year. And Jack Doyle. So it's possible. Um the question I have is the same one I've had the last two years. Do they have enough depth at receiver? Because you've got to expect these guys are going to get hurt. You've had T.Y. go down. You know, Pascal was like the only guy standing last year at the end of the season. So um, we're going to just – we're going to have to wait and see. But that's why I like keeping Marcus Johnson because this guy hasn't been healthy in camp. He's get, he's working his way back. But if you keep him on the roster and things get dicey in September, October, that's a guy who's done it. And, and then you feel good about having him in the lineup. Yeah, it's no accident that Frank Reich has kept him around uh, for parts of the last three seasons. So he was with him in Philly. He brought him here. He's stuck around. So there's definitely something there. Frank Reich sees something in Marcus Johnson, I think. And I think we've seen it too. So definitely there's something there. Uh, All right. So that is your offense. So now before we get to the defense, a quick word from a few of our sponsors. So, it's fantasy football draft season, and due to quarantine, it's very possible you might have Zeke's haircut in your pants. That's why our partners at Manscaped have partnered with us to make sure you don't gamble on shaving the way you like to gamble on football. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. 
The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and has an LED light on it. That's a game changer. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with new and improved lawnmower, performance briefs, a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining, and some other liquid formulations like the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code at THEATHLETIC20. It's time for you to boost your hygiene with the besties at Manscaped. With football right around the corner, there is no better place to get in all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving all users a no-brainer start to the season. Listen up, because you do not want to miss this. Have you ever heard of a football team losing by 100 points? Well, for week one, DraftKings is ensuring that even if Kansas City were to lose in historic fashion, you would still cash your bet. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has moved the spread to Kansas City plus 101 points for all users. So even if Kansas City loses by 100 points, you still win big with DraftKings Sportsbook. And that's a no-brainer. I can promise you the Chiefs are not going to lose by 100 points. On top of that amazing offer, DraftKings is giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all users who enter their free football survivor pool. All you have to do is sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, enter their survivor pool, and you'll instantly get a share of up to $100 million in giveaways. Use the promo code FAST, that's F-A-S-T, to take advantage of this no-brainer of an offer. That's promo code FAST, F-A-S-T, to get in on all the action. For a limited time only, at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Indiana only. Other team and conditions restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And a quick word about Fubo TV. Some new offerings you may not know about. There's the family plan. We'll have three people watch all at one time, three different screens. Then you've got 30 hours of DVR available to you. That comes in handy. Local broadcasts, uh, also, NBC Sports available now in the national feed. So, with the NFL season around the corner, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com athletic. Start your first month today. Defensively is where it gets interesting. Um, let's start up front, obviously. This is where the horses are, and they got a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, from the Best Forrest defensive Buckner. line I've seen this team yeah. have in years, from, six or from seven the years. Forrest Buckner to Justin Houston, you name it. But I, I think that starting group, I think, on first down is going to be uh, DeForest Buckner at three technique. I think Grover Stewart at nose tackle. I'm yeah. going to go for now, I think, with Danico Autry at left defensive end and Justin Houston at right defensive end but that could they could go two or three different ways with that if they want to and they will at times so that's Wouldn't the great me thing here if Aquadine Muhammad is a yeah. starter in week one that's let me ask you this say. do they cut Sheldon Day so glad you brought that up so I think he's a wild card here uh first of all he's hurt and he's, what's he got yeah. a knee I think, and we haven't seen him. We, at all. We're not even sure what's going on with him. It's a it's a weird one. And Frank he Reich had a has been a little procedure, I believe, but it was it very like, very vague. Frank Reich has been vague about it, and I really don't have a lot of information or not enough information to draw a conclusion. But I will tell you this: they have a lot of bodies here, 
and there's no need to shoehorn him into the roster. So I'm not suggesting they'll cut him, but I do think injured reserve is in play here. It has to be. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, You can bring him back. And actually, in short order, you can bring him back, right? I think it's yeah. a, there's a three-week minimum now. So it's not like a major decision. I mean, they have they could play eight guys tomorrow on the defensive line without even thinking about Sheldon Day. Yeah, so and that's the advantage they have now. And a big part of that is is the ascension of Taekwon Lewis. He's not just taking up a roster spot anymore. He looks, from everything we've seen at camp, and we'll see in the regular season because it can change, he looks like he can play. And he looks like a pretty solid backup to DeForest Buckner at the three tech and, and possibly on the outside. But from what I've seen at camp, he's he's an inside guy right now. The other oh, yeah. question mark is Toure. Like I had a lot of hope for this guy this year. I had a lot of expectation. I thought he was going to come out guns blazing and strut that speed and that bend and all that stuff. He's been working on with Robert Mathis and we haven't seen him yet. What is yeah. up with him? So. I was told that he hadn't been ruled out for week one, but I'm about to rule him out. Okay, the guy hasn't been uh, out for yet. So. He ain't playing. <laughs> right, so I, I don't anticipate that. We know that Frank Reich is very consistent, right, with his approach to injuries. And unless you're T.Y. Hilton, you need to practice for a couple weeks. Before unless you you're T.Y. Hilton. Yes, <laughs> yes. So the, the rules are different for T.Y., okay? Unless We've you're already the unicorn proven that. that is T.Y. Hilton, correct. Right. So everyone not named T.Y. Hilton, you got to practice for a little while and, and prove that you're ready to roll. And that has not been the case with with uh, Kamoka Ture, not whatsoever. He hasn't dressed yet. Okay, he's out there. He's moving around pretty good. But they're babying him, I think, on purpose. It's a lower body injury. He's a, he's a, a speed rusher. I, I get it, right? So what you need to understand about Kamoka Ture is this, in my opinion. You need to basically understand that this injury is going to be a setback. In the short term, right? I'm not talking about long term, but certainly in the short term, it's going to be a setback because this was supposed to be the year, right, that he ascended and we thought he was going to be the guy. Well, I don't know if he's going to be the guy. What we want from Kamoko Ture this year, what the Colts are looking for is give us uh, some rotational play and go get the quarterback on third down. That's what I think the bar is for him this year. Now, if that changes and he feels better, great. But he's got to get there first. And for right now, whenever he gets rolling, and this is my understanding from talking to people, right now the goal is they just need him to play, you know, 12, 15, 18 snaps, whatever it is. Go get the quarterback and give us a couple sacks if you can get it. Or just a be a pressures. mercenary. Just be a mercenary. Just go yeah. and do one thing. Get to the quarterback. And, and so I think he's got the em. ability. Yes. But you got to see it. And – this is a guy that was hurt a lot in college, didn't play a lot. I think it was Rutgers. Um, had a great start to his second year last year and then was injured late in the Kansas City game, and we haven't seen him since. So um, I know the Colts are ready for this guy to get back because this guy's got a lot of talent. Yeah, I think he's he's itching to go. Though. There's no question about it. He was out there yesterday with Robert Mathis, who's been back around in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, Robert just <laughs> – he's got this guy fo- – um, sort of frothing at the mouth here. So yeah, you know, he he is quite the motivator. So we'll see. I think he I think he needs a couple weeks, but I think I don't think it's a, a major issue. I don't think it's anything to worry about. But I do think have modest expectations about what they're going to ask him to do. They don't want to put too much on him, and they don't have to do that. But it, it is a bummer though that he he can't be sort of the featured pass rusher uh, that that we thought he might be at least initially. But give it time. Let's let that thing yeah. play out. Yeah. Um, I think the tough call at defensive line 
is going to be down at the bottom of the of the unit. Um, there's a guy who you, we haven't talked about. Uh, fifth, excuse me, sixth round pick from Penn State. Um, Rob Windsor has like had a kid. really strong finish, really strong finish to camp. And I don't know if there's room for him is the question. Um, but if Sheldon Day goes on injured reserve, Robert Windsor gets my last spot. So that's what I think. I think there's no question. And I'm not ruling him out just getting a, shot, a spot straight up. I, yeah, I agree. I mean, Ben Banigou wouldn't stun Well, he's not me. going anywhere, but I don't think he's going anywhere. But I am – listen – I'll catch flack for this because some of you out there, and tell me if you've gotten this. I've said a couple of like not so flattering things about Ben Banigou, and people came for me, man. Like, no. what? Like, like I was a ben like Banigou Twitter mob, yeah, like, I don't a know. Kelly Twitter mob. I think it's an analytics metrics thing. Um, he had a sack uh, last year in the first play of the season, but he was unblocked. Metri- metrics think, can lie. Well, he had a. He, <laughs> I got to look this up, and I, I can't do it from memory. But his pressure rate apparently was pretty good. I I will say I don't know what that number is. I've been told, but and I should look it up. But what I would say is I just he didn't pass the eye test though. I don't know. No, man. I, it, look, I I didn't see it. I haven't seen it yet. That doesn't mean I won't see it. I mean, it doesn't mean he can't become a great player. But he's had some good days at camp. He's had some days where he's just disappeared. We'll see. We'll see. That's why I say the other, the last thing on him is just. I think what they sold him as is not what I've seen. We thought he was going to be sort of this hybrid, sort of athletic. Yeah, uh, freakish his linebacker guy. days lasted about six minutes. I, I he hasn't been that, and I don't even really see the the sort of. I don't know if they said he was a freak, but like I don't see the like amazing athletic qualities that that we thought we would see. So right. we'll, we'll see. I agree. I'll let that I one play that. out. I agree I'll let that. that one play out. Yeah, uh, linebacker. I love it, <laughs> right? Love um, the top three, yeah. So, I don't think we need to talk about Darius Leonard and Bobby Okereke and Anthony Walker. Uh, yes, yes, them. And yes. Keeping okay. them on the roster. Yeah, I think they're going to make the club. Uh, the questions are beyond that. I think you could really go a, multi- to, a multitude of ways here. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think you, the group would be what? It would be yeah. Franklin, uh, Matthew Adams. I'm keeping uh, those Speed, two. And Jordan Glasgow. I'm keeping Glasgow for special teams. I just haven't seen much from EJ Speed in this camp. Now, he's made a couple plays, usually in the second or third team reps at, at Lucas Oil Stadium in those scrimmages. But it, this is the one that could surprise me. They could they could cut Franklin. They could cut Adams. Mm-hmm. I don't think they do, though. I just I don't know if I've seen enough from Speed to keep him on the roster ahead of Glasgow, who's a rookie. Um, but maybe they have. It, it's just hard to tell. And this is another example of a situation where Preseason games would really, really help. I agree with that. And it's interesting here because this is where special teams is going to be huge because I think it matters for all these guys, all four of yeah, them. Yeah, because the top three play a ton of snaps. I mean, right? how many snaps did Zaire Franklin and Matthew Adams play last year? Like defensive snaps. Well, actually, I looked this up. So Zaire Franklin played zero defensive snaps. But that tells you something. Here's something interesting. He led the team in special team snaps, which I did not know till the other day so I think it's interesting you could you could talk about Jordan Glasgow and so when I did my 53 man projection I kept Jordan Glasgow and I I think I fell into the trap of listening too much to what they say because they said oh this guy is a dog on special teams we love him but yeah they love the other guys too so 
And they might actually be able to play linebacker for you, whereas Jordan Glasgow probably will never see the field at linebacker. Not now. So no. it's a it's a tough one, right? I mean, I don't know. And I think you're also losing some leadership qualities with Franklin and, and, and things of that nature. I think on special teams, he's one of the sort of, you know, I don't know if he's a captain, but certainly one of the leaders. He's becoming on that. Right, yeah. he's becoming one of those guys. So that's a tough one. I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of variables there, but I think they'll keep. I think they would like to keep six. And there's seven. There's seven guys in the group who are in the mix, and I think the most they can keep is six. So we'll see. Uh, one quick thing, EJ Speed. I, I gotta. I low key really like EJ Speed, because not because of anything he did in this camp, but just the glimpses we saw last year. I was like, okay, that guy can be sort of Darius Leonard athletic level at the at, at, from an athletic standpoint he can he's be fast. like Darius level he's Darius fast. Leonard level yes right so i know that doesn't matter necessarily in every scheme but here it does and i think he's such a great fit for what they do that i'd like to keep him around but at the same time does he get claimed i, I don't know that's a that's a toss up i don't know we'll have to see but he but he has tape whereas some of these other guys well, the rookie certainly doesn't, right? So, uh, defensive backs, um, mixed. Let's start at safety. They got a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I actually like the five. safeties. Yeah. I really like their safeties, including Malik Hooker. I, I know that we've been hard on him, but look, I mean, I think he looks, he looks dialed in right now. I think he's trying to, you know, come out and, and make a statement. I, I don't know if it'll happen, but. He's been involved in a few plays down the field. You know, gotten his hands on a few balls. I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I agree with you. You know, hesitantly saying that I think we're going to see the best of Malik Hooker this year. What what that looks like, mm-hmm. I'm excited to see. We all know he's got all the talent in the world. Chuck Pagano compared him to Ed Reed the minute he was drafted. A little premature, <laughs> but uh, he's he's looked a little faster. He's been involved in a lot of plays, like you said. Wait, um, are you saying Chuck Pagano was prone to hyperbole? <laughs> I, I don't even. Let's not go there. Right. Let's not go there. Yeah, this is this is not chopping wood. And right. If you've been with us for right. a long time. You know what I'm talking about. May it rest in peace. Uh, Malik <laughs> Hooker, Kari Willis will be the starters. Tavon Wilson has been, you know, almost with the ones from the start. So he's a he's a good viable option in there as well. You've always got George Odom back there as a reserve, and, and Julian Blackman, who's back on the field this week. Going to take a while. I don't think we see this yeah. kid in, in on a Sunday. He won't play for a little bit until October. Let's be honest. They're going to bring him slow. But uh, it's good that he's on the field. I mean, this guy is still eight, nine months off an ACL tear. They did not put him, or excuse me, they did not keep him on the non-football injury list, which would be a minimum of six weeks into the regular season. So that should tell you that they expect his return to be sooner than that. So that's that's promising. I think the, the conversation here is really about cornerback. I don't hate their cornerbacks. Like I can't say that whatsoever. I, I think they're fine, but that's like the best thing I could say. Yeah, I'm I'm in a wait-and-see mode. I've been saying this since April. I don't know about this group. The last time they were on the field, granted it wasn't this group, they were shredded by Gardner Minshew, by uh, Drew Brees. I mean, damn near threw a perfect game against it, by Jameis Winston. So, you know, they they were bad. They were bad, and all of them were. Kenny Moore wasn't on the field, and that hurt. Xavier Rhodes has been good this camp. We've seen him make some plays. Rocky Sin's been good, too, but we know last year he was good, and then he didn't have a great regular season. TJ Carey, I think you keep Isaiah Rogers, the, the rookie, 
Um, you know, that guy's flashed a little bit on special teams as well as sort of a backup return man for Naheem Hines. But this is a group I cannot wait to see against another quarterback on Sundays because that's the only real measuring stick with this with this position. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think Kenny Moore I kind of take out of the equation because he's his role is so unique. So I don't right. I kind of put him in a different category. Plus we know Kenny is Kenny, right? So he's gonna do his job. I'm not worried about him. I, I think the issue is this. Do you feel like this is like the question I ask myself. Do, do I feel like they have upgraded at this spot? And I think the the answer is Maybe, but only slightly. I don't know. Yeah. Only know. slightly. And and when I and when I say they upgraded, I don't mean necessarily at the top. I'm talking more like the depth. It might be a little better. You know, like maybe maybe TJ Carey's a better option than like, I don't know, whoever whoever you know, whatever guy was behind Kenny Moore last year. You know what I mean? Like I guess, but I, I don't know, man. I, I don't I don't feel like there's been a there certainly hasn't been a major upgrade. And the question is, is there even a slight is, upgrade? Is Rhodes I an upgrade like, from Pierre Desir? That's what I'm saying. I don't know. Pierre Desir is out there playing with the first team in New York right now. So say what you will about that. But Four win team, they're, but yeah. They're like happy to hey, have There's them, like 15 right? so, former Colts on the Jets roster. So do you think they have like a former Colts <laughs> meeting room out there? Like a only former Colts? They should. Come in, like Quincy Wilson, Henry Anderson. They're like, hey, remember this? It's, it's like Frank <laughs> Gore's right. out there now. Like all the lockers should be next to each other. They should have like their own little corner of the locker room. It's like, it's like you know, indie. Yeah, I mean, they they, but, they yeah. let Rex Hogan in there to you know the guy that brought them all in New York. <laughs> Most of them, at least. Anyway, it's interesting though. I I don't know. I think they are really bullish on Xavier Rhodes, and I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt until he proves me wrong, right? Um, until he proves them wrong, I should say. So whatever, that's fine. I'm I'm okay. I'm not here to rip the guy. I have no reason to rip him. I actually think he, as you said, I think he's been fine in this camp. I think the question is going to come on Sundays, yeah. or the answer yeah. will come on Sundays, and we'll see. I think Rock Yassin is. Uh, I thought Frank Reich even said this. He's been more consistent with um, not being as grabby as he was last year. Right? Remember, we all remember that Denver game where he got like 47 penalties. So I think he's learned from that. Yeah, and it is a big adjustment. The rules are different. And remember, the receivers I mean, are better. He wasn't playing at Miami or Ohio State or Alabama. I mean, he was coming from Temple, True. and then he, before that, he was a Presbyterian. So one year, and at this Temple, is a guy right? that you know was a wrestler for a long time, and and, and he he led the de- defense in snaps. So he played a lot of snaps last year, and I know for a fact that inside the building, the coaches are very confident Rock is going to have that huge step up. I think he's had a great camp. He's a, he's a guy that wants to be really good. You get that vibe from him. He he takes this very seriously. He's very quiet. He's very focused. Um, but he had his pitfalls last year, and he got too handsy, and he got a lot of flags thrown out against him, and he and he got caught late in downs, you know, late to get to the ball, and they made him pay. Philip Rivers made him pay last year in the in the opener against the Chargers. So, I'm I'm really anxious to see what Rock can do. But quietly, I'm pretty confident that this guy's going to have a really good step-up season. Yeah, I, I like Rock Yassin. I'm actually pretty confident about him progressing. And what I like about what he's done in camp this year is I've seen him get some hands on the football. Yeah. I really like yeah. that. And and he, and he also doing it without committing as many penalties, which is really the next step for him. So those two things, you know, obviously keep your hands to yourself a little more and get some – make some plays on the football. He can do those two things. 
then they really got something there, I think. And I think they do. I think he I think he can do those two things. So I think you should you should be confident about uh Rakes in this year. And really it's just gonna be a matter of I think also working together with the pass rush. How does that go and and is that pass rush where they need it to be? So you know, look, if they if they can stay healthy at corner, I think they'll be good enough. And I think with com- combined with what they have up front and the safeties behind them, I think they can get by. So that that should be fine. Look, you're not going to have pro bowlers everywhere, right? So yeah, I think that is what it is. Uh, and then so to wrap up special teams, usually we're not talking about this, right? But uh, we are this year. <laughs> so we know who two of the three are, the specialists. We know um, that Rigoberto Sanchez is their punter and kicker or excuse me kickoff specialist we know that luke rhodes is the holder the question is who is the kicker place kicker and for I got you, a surprise for that you. is adam vinatieri go <laughs> shoot me now <laughs> i'm kidding we can watch kicks this year um i like your reasoning i think it's 50 50 man i don't have a feel on it i mean you mm-hmm. watch chase miss three mm-hmm. in the first workout at lucas oil excuse me rigo Rodrigo missed three in the first workout at the stadium, and then can't, wait, wait. First of all, can we have a Rodrigo and a Rigoberto? No. Because I'm gonna go yeah, crazy. It's gonna, I'm gonna spell them wrong. Don't and, do this and to us in stories. Um, it's not fair to cut the kid because his name's too similar to Rigo. But God, I can't do this. I'm gonna. I just gonna call him Hot Rod anyway. and just see how that goes. Um, Hot right. Rod had a good camp, um, but I think he, I think he, might, if he lost the job, he lost it Monday because he missed three kicks and Chase made mm-hmm. seven of eight. And Chase has been pretty consistent under 50 yards, like you mentioned in your story. I think you go with the guy who went five for six down the stretch last year and made some big kicks for you. But it wouldn't stun me if they went with Hot Rod. Yeah, it would be kind of a, as I outlined, I think the decision, if it's me, and it's not, but if it's me, my decision is based on, okay, if it's fourth and eight and it's the fourth quarter and I need a, I need a kick... Uh, you know, who am I going to count on to give me, uh, you know, to make it from 42 yards? Right. And I think that answer is Chase McLaughlin. Uh, I, I just trust him. But I think if you're talking about who's got the bigger leg and the bigger potential, eh, probably uh, Blankenship, right? Uh, but that's that's the decision, right? I mean, do you want the consist? Are you leaning more toward the consistency? Or are you more concerned about, you know, just making the big kicks, right? And I, I don't know. I think given what they had last year, I think you opt for the consistency on the makeable kicks if it's me. Yeah, so, but... For what it's worth. I don't think it's a slam dunk. It, it, I, maybe, maybe... No, that's, that's maybe fine. We've seen, yeah. Maybe, you know, hopefully Frank Reich has seen more than we have. But um, mm-hmm. from everything I've tallied, from all the kicks I've seen and, and I've written down who's made what, it's like 50-50. So that's going to be a decision they got to make. But Frank was a holder back in the day. He knows a lot more about the kicking position than a lot of head coaches. He'll have some insight into this, and, and it'll be interesting to hear his explanation after they, after they do make final cuts. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's something definitely to uh, be looking for on Saturday. So either way, it will be it will be an interesting decision, and I think the the rationale, as you said, will be um, will be very interesting, and I hope insightful. So we will see. So that's kind of the look at the roster. I think it's uh, I think it's pretty good. It's pretty solid all throughout. Certainly the best one I've seen in my time here. I think. And um, look, I, this is this is not a 
a roster that's dependent on the quarterback like we saw too often in the yeah, past. Right? I think they've got the, some that's depth That's the most here. significant change. Yeah, they've the got – The quarterback they, is they not – They upgraded top, the quarterback. He's not a top still. five player on the team. I don't think he is. I don't think he's a top six or seven player. Maybe. Th- that's such a great pl- such a great point, right? But, no, yeah. you're taking Leonard and you're taking Nelson and probably Kenny Moore and you're taking Buckner and, you know, Brian Kelly. I mean, those – you know, so that's, that's mm-hmm. the difference. And, you know, shameless plug, but – was talking with Jack Muhort a couple of years ago and a couple of days ago, and this is a guy that you guys remember was on those teams that, you know, one of them made the the run to the AFC Championship game, and he was <laughs> laughing and he said, "That's the you know in their group text with all the O linemen, you know that's the that's the season we always laugh about. Like, how did we trip and fall into the AFC Championship game? Those are his direct <laughs> words. So and funny. then before I could say anything, he said, "It's because the guy we had at quarterback." So the inverse yep. is what you're seeing now, right? The quarterback is not carrying this team. And if this team makes a playoff run, I don't think it's going to be because of Phillip Rivers. I think it's going to be because of the roster. And that's a big difference. And that's what Chris Ballard said on day one. Mm-hmm. And and now we're about to see if he's got the roster where he wants it. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So I think they're pretty close. Look, you're never, you're never all the way there, but I think they're pretty close. So... Uh, good news if you're a Colts fan. So we'll see. Uh, stay tuned on Saturday. Uh, that's when the answers will come. And for now, in the meantime, we've got lots of great coverage on The Athletic. Zach just mentioned his Jack Muhort story. I've got a piece on Jacoby Brissett. I've got the roster prediction. And that's really the tip of the iceberg. we got a lot, of, a lot more great stuff to come uh, leading up to the season opener next week that we're really excited for you to read. So if you're not subscribing, uh, I think... Most of you are, I hope, by now, uh, because we we definitely have seen a lot of growth. But if you're not subscribing, uh, take advantage of whatever special uh, is running right now, which I'm sure there is one. I think, was it like 40% off or something? So, anyhow, take right. advantage now of it. Now's the time. Now's the time. There's so much good stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. I, I can promise you that. Absolutely. So, anyhow, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer. This is another episode of 1% Better.